Hey there, I'm Dr. Jerry Crete, and you're listening to Be With The Word. This is episode 66. It's the first Sunday of Lent. And this is the podcast where I reflect on the Sunday readings with a psychological perspective. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and professional counselor. Um, I've been doing this now for over a year, and I really like to get into the Sunday readings and explore different themes. And this is Lent, and my big theme for Lent is going to be dissociation. So I'm going to explain a little bit what that is, and I'm going to uh, make some interesting points related to the Sunday readings and how it connects. If you would like to listen to the Sunday readings, go over to my sister podcast. It's called Hear the Word. And hear the word, I actually read the Sunday readings, but I also provide and embed in them a meditation. And the meditation is uh, integrated with some psychologically informed um, practices based on my experience as a trauma therapist. Um, And I am bringing in different resources and I'm integrating them with our faith and the Sunday readings. I think it's cool. I think it's really unique. I find it personally powerful. Uh, I have used some of these with my clients and to great effect. Um, so I'm excited about that. So uh, please go over to Hear the Word. It's also called Episode 66. So if there's any confusion, which one, you can just look for the same number corresponding to Hear the Word and Be with the Word. All right. So, um, all right. I'm going to talk a little bit about dissociation. I think it's fascinating in this reading. Uh, in the reading, this reading this week, we have the story of Noah and the flood, right? And so we literally have the people have all been destroyed and killed in the flood. And then we have uh, Noah and his family are saved, right? And then God basically makes this covenant with them that he's never going to destroy the earth again uh, with water, at least with a flood. So he makes this covenant and the rainbow is the sign of that covenant. And it's, it's really interesting. And this same theme, because I went ahead, right, and I've been read all the readings coming up for all of Lent, for this is cycle B. Uh, I just wanted to get ahead. I like to kind of get capture the whole season. So I've done that. And what I'm really noticing is this movement from death to life, right, which is so big in the mind of the Hebrews. Like way back, I can remember taking this Hebrew scriptures course in my undergrad. And I remember really like getting a greater understanding of the ancient Hebrews mindset when it came to death and life. I may have mentioned this before, but the idea is that if, if you have blood spilled or menstruation or any kind of liquid or even having sex because there's fluids, any kind of fluid kind of leaving your body was a movement toward death, right? Especially like a war or something or childbirth, right? Was a, You were moving closer to the possibility of death. And that informed a lot of some of the ritual purity practices of the ancient Hebrews. But in general, they saw death as 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 a uh, as, as a danger, right? Obviously, and they saw that um, anything that took you toward death or caused death um, was obviously to be avoided, um, and anything that brought you toward life was something that um, you worked for and strive for. That seems pretty obvious. So um, we see in the stories 
all along, all the way even into Christ, right? Christ himself is going from death to life and playing with those themes. Because when Jesus dies on the cross, for example, he goes into death, which makes no sense to the Hebrews. And yet it's through death that he is restored. He, he restores, well, he comes to life, but again, but, his, but he brings all of us into life. So this is the interesting thing that makes no sense. And yet it's the powerful truth and it's the powerful message of God that it is actually that we we actually in some way have to through we have to enter death in order to have life and we see that here even in noah even in this story from genesis that we see noah right it's it's through the waters of of destruction in a sense of the flood that noah is brought into this new covenant right and and we even see um, that is hearkened to in the read in the in the later readings, right? That we have um, um, from Peter that he, he says, it, it, if eight people were saved through water, and that this prefigured baptism, which saves you now. So it's so interesting that see, baptism is us figuratively in a sense, but it is also in another sense physically because we're you know thrown in we're, we're immersed in water or we have waters poured on us and we literally then experience a kind of a death a figurative but a literal dunking into water but a figurative death and then coming out of it into new life so this is such major theme of christianity all right i'm going to connect that with dissociation i'm fascinated with what is dissociation so what happens right when we kind of in some sense lose sense of ourselves right um there can be a mild form of dissociation that we all do i'll give one example is if you're driving home and you make all the same turns every day you might be thinking of one thing and driving home without really being fully conscious of your movements right and sometimes we're going somewhere else, but we're so used to doing a certain bunch of moves that we kind of have to wake up out of that and go, hey, wait, I'm not going to work. I'm going over here instead, you know? And so when that happens, we've had a mild dissociative experience, right? Um, and it's where we're not fully present with our own actions. The other extreme form of dissociation, the most extreme form of dissociation would be, um, you know, uh, a dissociative identity disorder, which used to be called multiple personalities, which you see, you know, portrayed sometimes in TV and movies, usually to dramatic effect. But that's where a person is so disconnected from parts of themselves that there's sort of like a an amnesia wall or uh, where we don't know about the other parts or when one part of ourselves is acting, the other parts are unaware. That's the most extreme and rare type of dissociation. Um, which is often used uh, is called DID, but but there's all kinds of dissociation that happens in between. So I'm, I'm just going to kind of explain why I think this links to Lent, and it links to the this passage today and into the ones we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. Okay, because there are certain elements associated with being more dissociative. 
So PTSD, for example, is um, you know traumatic stress disorder, right? Post-traumatic stress disorder, or other forms of being somewhat more dissociated. So um, you can have a, a current experience where there's a part of you that kind of takes over sometimes, or it seems to take over. You don't lose full consciousness. You're not completely unaware that this is going on, but it kind of, you feel kind of removed from it. I see this a lot in uh, a trauma, like PTSD survivors who reenact their trauma, right? And maybe they reenact their trauma sexually or they reenact their trauma, you know, experientially with some people. And afterward, they're like, they're a little surprised that they did that. Intellectually, uh, they know it was wrong or morally they know it was wrong or inappropriate or not what they would want it to do. And yet they still did it anyway. Okay? It's a little different than just simply making a choice to do something wrong. This has an aspect of disconnection from the self. And so from a parts perspective, whether that's internal family systems or ego state therapy or some kind of aspect of the parts, we know that when trauma happens, we sometimes um, disconnect, especially like say the trauma happens in childhood, we disconnect from a part of ourselves in order to survive, right? And so we learn early on to kind of lock away something, right, in, in order to protect ourselves. So for example, if we have an abusive parent, right, an abusive parent, we, <clears throat> we know that we must remain attached to the parent because we need them for all kinds of things, right? We need them to survive. We need them we need that attachment. They feed us or take care of us or drive us around or something. So on one hand, we have to attach to them and we somehow have to survive the abuse itself. So we have to somehow manage the fact that this person is doing something harmful to me in some way while at the same time I need them, right? And so in order to do that, because that's quite a disconnection for the person, right? Um, they're having to act a way they don't feel. They're having to behave in a way uh, to manage a relationship that makes no sense to them or is hurtful to them. And so that's where the way I see it is some kind of part forms or merges in order to manage that for the self, right? So that could be where there's a part of us that emerges that's the super good boy. Or girl right in order to uh, or the caretaker I, I have to caretake or be super good for this say parent in order to make sure they stay attached to me and that they like me but I have to shut off something else inside of me in order to survive also right and so I would say that we are moved in those instances. If I go biblical with this, I would say there's a sense in which we move from life to death when we have to dissociate from ourselves, right? So I'm not being fully me. 
I lose some aspect of my identity. I can't resolve the inner conflicts that I have. So I have to disown some part of me in order to survive. Okay. A lot of times when you have to disown parts of yourself to survive, then those parts become very resistant to change. They become very rigid sometimes. They often act like the age where this happened. So there might even, they might even appear in our current lives as very immature or childlike or irrational, right? And we don't have any ability to kind of, or we struggle with the idea of adapting. Now, I'm trying to address that a little bit. I mean, this is something, if you have this experience, you need to go to your therapist and you need to work on it, right? Uh, but I do a little resource over at Hear the Word for episode 66, where I actually look at a five-year-old who needs to maybe receive the things that a five-year-old needs, right? So a five-year-old needs to feel like, um, you know, he can play and he can... Um, he has friends and he wants to be like his friends. He might want to be like his dad or she might want to be like her mom or she might want to know that their friends like them and, and their parents are happy with them. And But at the same time, they're wanting to be independent and try things on their own, right? So all those things are normal, healthy five-year-old behaviors and, 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 and developmental stages. And when those get frustrated or other ones get frustrated, it causes what I'm talking about, some forms of dissociation. And for if it's very severe abuse, it can be very um, severe ways of adapting, right? So like to me, when a child is very early on, you know, um, experiences a lot of abuse earlier on, they tend to be either extremely... Um, withdrawn almost like they become invisible because they had to be invisible to survive or they become over emotional and overreactive to be noticed or to get any attention and get any of their needs met so it's really variable right it depends on the person it depends on the situation but all, those are extreme examples but all of us experience some of it we all adapt in ways that sometimes move us in a way more, I would say, toward death in the biblical sense. In other words, away from God, away from our true selves, right? And, and we want to be called back into life. So what does that mean to be called back into life? Well, we need to have those strength, those resources strengthened. So we have to be kind to ourselves. Notice if there were parts of ourselves that are disconnected or struggling or, um, you know, uh, need something. And so we have a tendency to have other parts judge that or be critical and, you know, and, and we have this like inner conflict going on over this, right? And so what we're wanting to bring, uh, and certainly in parts work, we're really wanting to bring us empathy and appreciation Let's appreciate that, for example, that five-year-old, how wonderful he or she really was, how delightful they were. You know, and when they were having a hard time, maybe they did something wrong and got in trouble, or maybe they got in trouble for doing nothing at all. But we want to empathize with them and understand them, 
right? And we got to notice that there are parts that are a little bit within us that might be stuck and that need that level of care. Okay, um, so I'm not going to say a lot more. I could talk forever on this. I love this topic, but I'm going to be looking at dissociation and this sort of idea of the more we are dissociated, the further we are away from life and the more that we um, become ourselves, fully ourselves. And uh, obviously we come with humility to God and we uh, are willing to be taught by him. We're willing to be guided by God. We're willing to learn. Um, you know, we wanting to know his truth and love. In the psalm it says, your ways, O Lord, are love and truth, right? And so we wanting to embrace that and we're noticing and we're wanting to embrace, uh, bring all of ourselves, our parts, all to Christ, right? Who suffers and dies in order to bring us life. And that's the whole message, right, in the Gospels that he does that for us. And so this is the season to bring all of our hurting parts to him and to allow him to show us the way and to allow him to bring healing, right, and give us all the things that we need. And it says, one does not live on bread alone, is the verse before the Gospel, but on every mouth word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Isn't that so amazing? We don't live by bread alone. We actually need our hearts, our souls um, fed with love. And he does that in the covenant. He wants to restore relationship. All right. That's all for today. So I hope to uh, connect with you um, online at Souls and Hearts. I hope you'll go over to our main website, soulsandhearts.com. And we've got all kinds of courses and we've got other podcasts and we've got communities. There's um, Resilient Catholic Community, uh, which I believe has a waiting list right now. Uh, I'm creating another community right now. It's in the works called uh, Catholic Journeymen uh, for Men. And uh, I'm also going to be working on hopefully having one for women, a corresponding one as well. And uh, but it's all in the works. So in other words, we've got great plans, great stuff coming up. Um, there's a cool forgiveness course, a pilot forgiveness course going on right now that uh, we will make available to anyone else who's interested um, uh, in the next few months. So look out for that too. Um, anyway, I hope you have a great week. I hope you have a wonderful, blessed beginning of your of the Lenten season. So until next time, be still, believe, and be loved. Take good care.